0: I believe science might offer an answer to the curse of the Bambino. Why someone took so long to hire that guy is beyond me. Anybody's not tearing their team down right now and rebuilding it using your model. They're dinosaurs. One of the great things about money is it it buys a lot of things.
1: One of which is the luxury to disregard what baseball likes, doesn't like, what baseball
0: thinks, doesn't (laughs) think. is a threatening, not just a way of doing business, but in their minds, it's a threatening game. How can you not be romantic about baseball? All right, welcome to another Baseball Ops podcast. we got a special guest today, Kyle Bennett with Diamond Kinetics, fired up to talk uh, some really cool technology if you haven't heard about Diamond Kinetics. Um, so we're going to get into it today with Kyle. So how's it going, Kyle? Appreciate you coming on.
1: Hey, Brent. I'm, I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Uh, yeah, I'm excited to talk about some Diamond Kinetics and uh, talk a little Pitch Tracker. It's going to be fun.
0: Awesome. So, you know, I, I think you guys came into the space first with your hitting app. Am I correct?
1: Yeah, yeah. We, uh, we got into the baseball softball market with, uh, with Swing Tracker. Yeah, we started that uh, back in 2013, and then the first official one was being sold in uh, 2015.
0: And, and when y'all broke into that market, were y'all one of the first to do that?
1: Uh, we were we were not the first, um, but we definitely weren't uh, the last in there. We were somewhere in the middle. So, uh, um, you know, there were a couple other companies that had come out with uh, similar products uh, previous to us. Um, one of those being Zep, um, who's no longer in the market. So um, we weren't the first, but we definitely weren't the last. And uh, now here we are in, right in the middle of it with uh, a few competitors.
0: Can you talk about, like how did y'all form the company and were you with them and and what was the mission and all that
1: yeah so i i actually wasn't with uh diamond kinetics at the at the beginning um i actually joined the company uh, a little over a year ago so i'm I'm pretty much in line with pitch tracker um, but basically what happened was is uh our, our one of our co-founders buddy clark he uh is a professor at the uh, university of pitt and he was coaching his, his son and daughter who both were playing, who ended up playing uh, college softball and college baseball. Um, he continuously got the question when he was coaching them in Little League, um, you know, what size bat should, uh, you know, my son or daughter be using um, as, as a 12-year-old? And, and, you know, people kept going to Buddy because of his, you know, mechanical engineering back and, uh, background and so you know everyone kept going to him saying hey you you got to figure this out you got to solve this and so he he went to the market and essentially did and that's that's where the first uh uh swing tracker sensor came out and that was uh it was a little you know box that sat on the on the handle of the bat it's not not like the uh like the one we have now that goes on the knob so uh it's we're on our third generation of that but yeah it stemmed from uh, buddy clark being asked uh, you know what size bat should my child be using
0: And that's pretty cool. And now, I mean, it's advanced um, all the way into where you're installing them in the bats. And I I mean, I've heard you even have contracts now to use them in game situations. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know, obviously stemming from, you know, just the beginning where it was on the handle. It's now, uh, you know, getting to the point where we can put it inside the knob of a wood bat um, we work with, uh, I think, up, up to, I think, like 15 uh, wood bat manufacturers that are approved through MLB um, to actually have our sensors uh, embedded into the handle. Um, so, yeah, we, we do that with, uh, with those levels, and then we also have a, uh, a Marucci smart bat that we make through uh, Marucci that can handle our, uh, our sensor in the handle as well.
0: Yeah, Marucci's right here next to us, a uh, big fan of them.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Very, very innovative company. We, uh, we love them. They, they do a lot of work with us. So we're, uh, we're excited to be a part of their, their, uh, mission too.
0: Well, cool. So I think I really got excited about Diamond Kinetics when I learned about the pitch tracker. Um, and, and I think, I mean, the reason I got excited is because as far as capturing ball data for pitchers to that point, um, I think Rhapsodo was really kind of, um, pushing the market and then you guys came in with a really cost effective product and, and that's why I got excited. Like, is that how it evolved? Is this, is this something of, was it collectively? Like everyone was trying to probably go from the, from the, the, the bat tech to the, the ball tech and, and I guess um, once again, I mean, you guys kind of came in right up front um, or was that motivated by anyone else in the industry? Uh yeah, I mean it was it was something that uh, you know the company had
1: looked at um once once the swing tracker sensor was out and we had it uh you know built to the size and specs that we we felt were adequate for, you know, the the end of the bat, um, and then realized that the sensor was small enough to put inside of a baseball and that just by altering the software we could actually capture all of that motion data, all of, uh, you know, everything that the ball is doing in space, from how fast it's moving to how fast it's spinning, what direction it's spinning. Um, you know, we, we realized that we could capture that information because we were capturing that on a bat. We figured, why not put it in a baseball? So that, that pretty much started the uh, the, the track towards uh, Pitch Tracker. And, and ultimately what, you know, we ended up doing is putting it in a, a regulation MLB college spec full grain leather ball. Which is, you know, I to me, I think is, is phenomenal because I, I grew up with, you know, the old radar baseball. Yeah, I remember the, this. You know, the LED screen on there. Yeah. And, and as soon as it hit the ground once or twice, it was done. Yeah. Um, you know, so I grew up with that. So when this when this came around, um, you know, and the idea that, you know, being able to throw a regulation spec ball, um, you know, pairing that with an app was going to give you all of this data at a cost-effective price point, like – I, I was beside myself and, and couldn't wait to join the company. So I, uh, I came on board the you know the same the same week the ball was released. So it was a it was a nice little coup for me to be there at the same time it started. So
0: so what so that was Diamond Kinetics' um, idea was, was putting it in the ball, or, or I mean, did they patent that or how did what where were they able to to get on on that uh, innovation?
1: Yeah, so we so we do have some uh, some patents and things that that protect us there. Um, it doesn't cover everything because obviously there are uh, some competitors out there that are trying to do similar things that we are, um, but they don't. You know, the, those those other competitors haven't gotten their ball to to the level that we we have it at, where you know uh, the seams are flat, the seams are connected. It looks like a real ball. Um, you you the same weight and size as a real baseball. So. Um, you know, having our, our ball be to spec has kept us ahead of everyone else um, who's trying to get into the, uh, you know, data capturing with a, with a real baseball.
0: Yeah, and, if, and if those who don't know this industry, the, there's different ways that they're collecting data from the ball, specifically, well, it doesn't matter, pitcher to hitter, whatever, is, you know, you have like the trackman uh technology which is basically a three-dimensional vector-based technology and then you have i think Rhapsody is more of a camera-based technology could be wrong but i believe that's what how they're doing it so they're trying to yeah. take the information out of the camera and then your technology diamond kinetics technology is just coming right from a i guess a similar to a, a gyroscope inside the ball is it, would that be a correct uh, understanding of all the different technologies
1: yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know, tra- like just like you said, Trackman uses the the three-dimensional camera system strategically placed throughout uh, you know, the field um, and where they have those Rap Soto does theirs with a the camera that lays on the ground um, and then we yeah, we have a gyroscope, we have all the you know, the the sensors inside of there to to measure spin, uh, you know, and where the ball is in motion. So, we we do it all with the sensor inside of there um, capturing the motion. Obviously, um, we use our app to capture stuff with camera that we can't capture with the ball. But yeah, all of our data comes from uh, the sensor inside of the ball.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting because you know it's the, the, all that technology is really a, a product of price. Like I think everyone would love just to have the TrackMan technology, but that's tens of thousands of dollars. <laughs> yeah. So I think the evolution of the camera to the ball sensor is just, it, it's the trying to get this technology into the consumers' hands, and I think that's what y'all are doing the best at. Y'all are really trying to make affordable products for the average average consumer to be able to have all this technology. Would, would that be correct?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know the you know you go back and you look at it, uh, you know that TrackMan system uh, that's in every MLB stadium uh, runs runs you a minimum of forty thousand um, dollars. So that that's just not going to be technology that most people are going to be able to get their hands on, right? And so, you know, then you take a step down. You say you want to get a Rapsodo machine to capture this information. You're still looking at four to five grand for this, right? To to get their system to get set up. Um, if if you you want this information and you want it at a reasonable price, we can do it for a hundred dollars for the ball, and then a, a premium subscription on top of that to gather all of those metrics. So for under two hundred dollars. You can have the same information that you're that you would be getting with a five thousand or forty thousand dollar machine
0: right and that's that's why I got excited because I think I've been in this space for a little while and the technology is the you know is fun and and there's been a big te- technology boom over the past ten years I mean incredible boom mm-hmm. in this sport. and to be able to see the consumer get it is what really gets me excited because like you were saying when we were kids, you know we had that little, ball that gave us the velocity that you know stuff like that was really exciting for us when we were kids and and it gave us a little bit of an edge and and so it's hard to watch a lot of the big organizations who have all the money getting all the advantage so it's nice to see that we can spread that out to the consumer for an affordable rate to where the every everyday player can start to take advantage of all this really valuable information i mean is is that kind of been y'all's mission uh, going through this yeah, I mean, absolutely.
1: We, we want to be able to give this
0: information to to the general
1: public, to the everyday player, the you know the 9, 10, 11, 12 year old kid, all the way up to you know the professional ranks. Um, and we had to make that at a price point that was going to be you know sustainable for for the market and for you know just your everyday person who wants technology but can't you know necessarily afford um, you know the the five or forty thousand dollar machines. Um, the one thing that's really cool about this and, and, and I, I always want to make mention of this is um, you know a lot of people typically will look at us and say okay it's it's only a hundred dollars for the ball how can it be accurate right and, and that's always when when baseball is how how is it accurate you know there's no way that you are getting data, the same, the same data that a you know, $40,000 machine's getting. And, and the, the actual answer is, yes, we are. Um, I, I went out and actually tested um, the Pitch Tracker baseball against a TrackMan unit um, at an MLB organization's facility out in Arizona. And we threw 67 pitches um, on both TrackMan and with Pitch Tracker. And we were within a half mile an hour, plus or minus, on velocity. And we were within 20 RPMs on spin rate, on every single pitch. So that forty thousand dollar machine was spitting out the exact same data that our hundred dollar baseball
0: was. Well, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, you actually have the sensor in the object that you're assessing. You know, so I think you have yeah. the advantage, to be honest. <laughs>
1: Yeah, no, I, I do too. But I mean, you know, it's, you know, most right. people think we just, we can't, we can't be accurate. We can't be as accurate because again, like you and I have noticed and we, we, we've experienced is that old radar ball that we used to have wasn't very accurate. One time you'd throw it it was, you know, 70 miles an hour. The next time you threw it, it was 40. Um, so there, people just have that, that, you know, per, their perception that, okay, a radar baseball is not accurate. And yeah, and I, and
0: I, I think that's just because wrong. that technology was built on time. It was a, it was a, in, beginning point and end point, and they're trying to assess time. That's a rough way of, of doing velocity, when yeah. uh, things can deter that. And so I think you guys are today. I mean, with this, the the data, or the the microchips we have today, we can pull out so much real real time data and get really accurate results. I I don't even know if that assessment you know, that question should be really asked anymore with the kind of technology that exists today, unless you think the person is just scamming you. But I mean, you can tell you guys are legit and are doing it the right way, you know?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, And that's, that's the one thing we want people to come across and realize is we are just as accurate as everyone else. We just do it at a price point that's more convenient.
0: Right. And I think the only, the only like, um, I guess the, the negatives that you, you might hear and, and I'm interested to hear your take on how you're dealing with it is the feel of the ball. I mean, it it doesn't bother me. Specifically, I'm not gonna sit here and throw this ball every pitch. It's something I can pick up when I need to know what's going on and throw it and it should be an issue. But every now and then you you hear that. Oh, I don't like the feel of the ball. How do y'all how are y'all dealing with that?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, so one of one of the things that I get quite often from a lot of people, and I you know would like to just you know answer that question today for everyone who's listening is is every time they pick it up is okay it, it feels heavier, or it feels different, right? And, and most people assume that it has to be a different weight or a different size or a different feel because there's technology inside of it. Um, in in that, in my opinion, you can tell me how you, how you feel with it as well. In my opinion, that, that can't be farther from the truth. Uh, our ball is, is weighed and measured to be exactly right on MLB and collegiate specs. So far as the same height, uh, obviously the weight and the sizing of the ball. So, um, I know I get that a lot. Um, some people tell us that, you know, the feel of the ball may be different, but, in my personal opinion, this feels just like every college baseball I've ever picked up, every pro ball I've ever picked up. Um, the one thing I tell a lot of people is if it didn't have our logo and neon green seams, you wouldn't know it was
0: ours. Yeah, I think that it just might be the perception. They might be you know, holding something going, well, there's a sensor in here, and I want to throw it perfectly. And that, that might be the difference in the feel of it. I don't think it's the actual ball itself because um, I'm not noticing that as much as every, that I hear. I mean, I wouldn't say I hear that mm-hmm. a lot, but every now and then you hear that. Yeah, um, and, and like I said, if it's something where you shouldn't, you don't need to throw it every pitch. I mean, it'd be something where you want to, you could mix it in every now and then just to see what's going on and see how your ball's moving and everything.
1: Yeah. I mean, just, you know, picking up the ball, maybe you had a, you know, bad outing, something like that, where where you just, you, you didn't feel right and, and you want to see what's going on. You know, you pick up the ball, you you pair it with the app, you throw it, throw your flat ground, throw your bullpen session, your side session. And, and then you can quickly look at the numbers and go, OK, you know, is this driving with with what I felt or what I was feeling that other day? Um, you know, have I made any mechanical adjustments to what I was doing the other day to now? Um, have I seen the data improve? And And you can use that. You know, you don't have to throw it every single day. Um, obviously, on you know on a selfish side, and from Diamond Kinetics, we want you to throw it every day. But it, but it's not for everybody on every pitch. So it's it's finding that that uh, level of comfort with the ball to where it can be incorporated into your routine, to where you can consistently look back and check to make sure that you're on track and you're heading in the right direction.
0: Cool. So I want to use this point as like a good t- tutorial to go through the app, the pitch tracker. Um, but before we get started on that, like just tell them where. Where would they go to kind of get started to, before we get into the app? So to, to be able to get the ball, to get the app, just so we can get to that point. And then I want to kind of take them through the app.
1: Yeah, definitely. So so the first thing, first thing you'd want to do is, uh, obviously, if you're a player and you're looking for one for yourself, um, go on to shop.diamondkinetics.com, or you can just go straight to our website, diamondkinetics.com, and then uh, hit the shop button. Um, And from there, you can go and see our our list of products. You can see uh, Swing Tracker there. You can see Pitch Tracker Baseball and obviously Pitch Tracker Softball, which is now back in stock. So all of our products are on there um, at shop.diamondkinetics.com. We are also available on Amazon. Uh, If people have Amazon, we are available on there as well. So they can be purchased there too.
0: And and once they get it, they're going to get the ball in the uh, mail. They're going to get... the, the the charger that comes with it, and then they're gonna have to go to the app store and download the app, is that correct?
1: Yeah, yeah, the second step, once you have the ball, or even if you don't, I mean, our app is free, so you can go download the app right now, even if you don't have the ball or a bat sensor, you can download that um, and, and get free access to our apps. Um, now, obviously, the premium premium pitcher or premium hitter is uh, the third step to it. And, and, and that's obviously going to open up everything for you. It's going to give you all the metrics, all the data. It's going to allow you to save everything. So it, it's essentially a three-step process. Buy the ball or buy the bat sensor, download the app, and then subscribe to unlock everything.
0: Okay, so uh, I'm, let's go through it. And, and if we get to the point. That any of this is premium, just just let the user know. But um, obviously, the first big metric that you're going to get is uh, and what everyone likes, and it's probably why everyone's initially wanting to get the ball is is spin rate. Um, can you talk about spin rate? Yeah, yeah,
1: absolutely. So so spin rate is a premium pitcher feature. Um, so you will need to subscribe to to unlock uh, the spin rate metric. Um, but what we are able to see with that, uh, and we have some cool things coming up, not, not things I can actually disclose today, but uh, certainly here uh, in, the, in the near future, there's going to be some, some neat things coming out on spin rate. But, uh, you know, just basing it on a fastball, the one thing that we, we have seen uh, with spin rate is, is pitchers that tend to have uh, higher or lower than average spin rates tend to be a little bit more successful um, when, when facing hitters. And so, uh, you know, spin rate has to do with, you know, the way the ball is spinning and on, on a fastball, it's obviously spinning, you know, uh, you know that 12 to six spin or six to 12 spin, backwards spin, we're talking about a four seam fastball. And, and it's what it's doing is it's creating that Magnus force where the, there's pressure being put on the ball on both directions. And so somebody with a higher spin rate, they're actually going to be able to beat that Magnus force or defy gravity in a sense. And uh, the ball does not drop as much as it's perceived in the hitter's eyes. So a hitter who perceives the ball to drop at a normal rate would see it at a 2200 RPM uh, spin rate level. And so pitchers that can throw off of that either higher or lower than what average is, and average is considered 220 or two, uh, 2200 uh, in MLB. If they can pitch higher or lower than that, they they don't have to necessarily have the the higher velocity to succeed. They can use spin rate to actually, you know, in a sense deceive the hitter. Yeah,
0: and that's and that's based on the velocity averages at, at the major league level too, correct? Like if a kid's throwing 65, he shouldn't expect a 2200 spin rate, correct?
1: Uh you shouldn't but there are
0: outliers. There are right. outliers. But that I mean, will that will... wouldn't be an average for them, right?
1: Oh yeah, no, no. So yeah, somebody's throwing sixty-five. Their average is definitely not going to be around twenty-two hundred. That that person's going to have you know crazy spin on a low on a low uh, velocity fastball. Um, it it is possible, but not not likely.
0: They could probably play at the major league level, right?
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. To be honest with you, uh, if if they had that, they would actually have a chance. Now, obviously. Uh, you know, some scouts going to say, okay, go add, you know, go, go see Brent and add 20 miles an hour, but, but <laughs> right.
0: yeah. Right. Well, cool. And, and that's where it gets fun because it's, that's the deceptive metric really that everyone's learning about now is, you know, velocity has been the one which, and we'll talk about that. The tracker, um, records velocity, but velocity has been the one that is the only, it's been the only metric that we ever hear from the ball for years. That kind of becomes a prerequisite for the game. Um, but now this spin rate that's becoming more popular is this deceptive understanding, because ve- velocity can be deceptive too, but it's kind of like with velocity, it helps us understand how deceptive is their velocity to the hitter. Wouldn't you say that it's more of a deceptive metric?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, again, like the, the most hit pitch in baseball in MLB right now today is a 2200 four seam fastball, right? Spinning wow. at that rate. That ball gets hit the most out of any other pitch in baseball. <laughs> and, and so, the, I mean, it's just it's, it's basically it's like you and I seeing, you know, thousands of pitches as hitters growing up. We know that, hey, an average pitcher, that ball is going to be in this area of the strike zone when I see it leave his hand at this point. Right. Um, now that player, that pitcher with a higher spin rate, I'm going to perceive that pitch to be in the same exact location, but it's, it's going to be an inch or two higher than what I actually saw based on Magnus force and fight and gravity. Right. Right. Or somebody like Trevor Cahill, who has a really low spin rate on his fastball, still throws 88, 90 miles an hour. Um, but his spin rate's so low on his fastball. He, he actually gets really heavy sink and then two seam sink on his fastball even though he's throwing 90, it looks like almost like a left-handed curveball.
0: And everyone would understand that, m- knowing the knuckleball. The knuckleball, is that's the purpose of the pitch, is that you're killing the spin rate, and ultimately, if you can throw it at a good velocity, um, it really becomes deceptive.
1: Yeah, 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 absolutely. And, uh, you know, obviously R.A. Dickey made a, made a living out of it You know, won a Cy Young there um, doing it. And, and yeah, he, he basically learned how to, you know, effectively take spin off a of baseball and and throw it still relatively hard for, for the level that he was playing at, um, which made him very successful and obviously hit that ball dance a lot.
0: How well does this app do when you're trying to throw a knuckleball and you're trying to kill your spin? Is it a great app to help develop that?
1: Yeah, actually, I, I would say it was. I've, I've had plenty of pitchers. They all want to see how low they can get it, right? Like, oh, I want to take all the spin off the ball. Let me see if I can do that. Um, and and we have I've personally seen uh, you know spin rates as low as like a hundred. Wow. Um, you know, with people throwing knuckleballs, I think the lowest I think the lowest I saw was like a ninety-seven. Right. Um, so it it is. So, I mean, we can get down to you know very very small you know revolutions per minute and still be able to capture that data.
0: Man, you can sell this to the general public. This would be a great party favor, right? <laughs>
1: No, yeah, hey, yeah, pick it up. See how see how well you can throw a knuckleball.
0: Let's go. Uh, let's know, go in we'll, the backyard we, with a couple of beers and let's see who throws the lowest spin rate. <laughs> oh
1: yeah, no, I mean, yeah, you could totally do that. I mean, you could have it in your backyard and playing around like that. You know, maybe after uh, you know a Saturday game out of the field, you can just bring your friends over,
0: barbecue, and throw knuckleballs together. <laughs> That's priceless. Yeah. Um, moving on, we got a uh, spin direction. Um, tell them about spin direction.
1: Yeah, yeah, Spin Direction's uh, another premium feature um, for our app, and, and Spin Direction's great. Right now, what we're doing with it is uh, we have it uh, as a two-dimensional uh, metric, so what we're able to do is display that in the app um, and show you with, a, with an arrow circling the ball and with a, you know, a time, um, which is what we call it, um, basically tell you which way the ball is spinning out of the player's hand at release. Um, so that we, we use that a lot with, with players that, um, you know, may not feel like they're getting on the side of the baseball. They're just, they don't have that feel for what's happening with the pitch out of their hand. Um, they can actually go back into the app and look right at the, uh, the clock face and see which way that ball was spinning out of their hand, um, which gives the player a nice visual to pair with the feeling of what that pitch felt like. And then being able to make that adjustment. So, so, you know, we have I see I see we uh, we, we use it a lot with, uh, you know, curveballs, um, especially in younger players, um, because a lot of kids at the younger ages, um, they want to get on the side of the ball and really turn it and try to spin it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what we're able to do is go back and show that player that, hey, look, you, your your release direction, your spin direction on that pitch um, is actually off to the side a little bit. And you're you know, you're kind of getting around the side of it. You're at like that nine o'clock release. Let's try to get our fingers back up on top of the baseball, get it more to that eleven, twelve o'clock release, and see if we can can you know either increase spin rate or increase velocity, um, based on altering our spin direction.
0: Yes, um, so that's great for those that have good spin, good spin rate, and and you just need to work on direction on where they're applying their force because that's going to dictate the angle of the break. Yeah. So, I I mean, and that's the thing is, is like, if you're trying to throw a sharp curveball and you don't have a good spin rate, you're kind of wasting your time. You need to work on spin rate. Now I know there's a lot of theories on how we work on spin rate, but there is studies showing it just correlates to velocity. Improving your velocity will pick up your spin. Um, So sometimes just working on like what we do with focusing on velocity, good biomechanics, clean biomechanics usually uh, will ultimately lead to velocity increases and spin rate increase is there anything y'all are seeing on top of that that they can do to increase spin rate
1: yeah no i mean pretty much what you're saying is is about the only thing that we we have uncovered um so far as spin rate and how to how to improve on it is obviously yes there is there is a correlation to velocity and and obviously higher velocities do correlate with higher spin rates but um you know the thing is 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 you know, once you get towards that top echelon, I mean, unless, unless somebody else out there's got the data that I don't have, or we don't have at Diamond Kinetics, um, there's not much more. I do know velocity plays into it, but we're learning along the way just as much as everyone else is. And, uh, you know, we're, we're hoping to figure it out. And, you know, I I think the first person who does figure it out is going to be a very rich person.
0: Well, I think, you know, and some of the tech guys that I work around, I'm trying to get a glove. I think that's the next one. I think when we get a glove and we can see pressure or even maybe you guys can do it with the baseball, if you can somehow pick up pressure on the ball, you might be able to see, you know, we, we, we can get arm speeds. We can get kinetic energy. Like if we can see where that force is being directed on the ball, I think that's going to tell us obviously those that probably are directing it more at a specific angle with that force. It's Mm -hmm. going to create a faster spin as opposed to, say, pushing directly behind the ball that might not get as much of a spin. I'm thinking if we can get a glove going or some type of pressure sensor, I think we'll we'll have a good idea of the direction of force that is being applied on the ball. And we might be able to correlate that to the overall spin rate.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that that was something that you and I talked about at ABCA a yeah, little bit. I, I, I was I was all over it. I went back and, and told the team and I was like, Hey, is this something we can do? So I know we're looking into it. It's not uh, it's not something that we we you know we're gonna say, Hey, tomorrow we're doing finger pressure and, and that's it. But uh, it is something that you and I talked about and uh, I did express to our team um, to look yeah, I mean, into it it's it's obviously pretty advanced
0: to get any type of pressure like that on a sensor is, is really doesn't exist. Uh, well, I mean, I wouldn't say it doesn't exist. There's, it's not a a consumable, uh, sensor right now. So maybe, maybe that's when that comes around, we'll be able to have that technology one day.
1: Right. And that could actually, you know, uncover the, the, the true reasons on, on how players can increase or, or decrease spin rate. I mean, it, it's, it's a phenomenal thing, and I think once, it, once it's available, whether it's through us or, or somebody else, I think it's going to tell a lot.
0: Yeah, I mean, don't you get that request a lot? I hear it a lot. Like, how do we improve spin rate? I mean, are y'all hearing as much as I am?
1: Every day. Every <laughs> single day. I, I, I'm, I'm headed out to this afternoon to go meet with the college, and that was, that was one of his first questions to me, was how, how do I increase it? And I said, well, let me come out and show you the ball first, and then we'll, we'll bounce our heads off one another and see what we can come up with.
0: Yeah, and that's why I say like the velocity approach is probably the better one because if you're throwing seventy, um, don't expect to have a sharp breaking breaking ball. Um, so ultimately, you need to improve your velocity when you get into the eighties, probably eighty-five, and you cannot you know you can keep the same velocity with your all-speed pitches, then you're going to get a good you should get a good sharp break. I think that's just the better approach until we get better understanding of what is actually doing it. You know.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and then and, and you know having spin rate on on breaking pitches that that obviously you see I'm sure you see that a lot too is is the higher velocity on those breaking pitches tends to correlate with that higher higher right. spin rate on those pitches. Exactly. Um, I think I think fastballs can be a little little tricky when we when we talk about that, but 100 on on breaking pitches, if you can keep that arm speed up, you're going to get some spin on it.
0: But I think that makes a good point. That's why I think the pressure on the ball is, is significant because typically when you're throwing a breaking ball. You're getting your fingers off center, and you're getting them <clears> on the outside of the ball to push towards that outside direction that creates more spin. And I think on fastballs, guys get their fingers sometimes right in the middle. They get directly behind it, and therefore it, it might push the object forward, but it might not spin it as much in the process. That's why you get guys throwing hard and have low spin rates.
1: Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's a phenomenal point. And I, As you were saying that, I, I was you know, thinking to myself about you know, my, my example, Trevor Cahill, I mean, I'm sure he does that to some extent because he still throws 90. But I mean, the guy's the guy's spin rate is like 400, 500 revolutions less than the average, right? Right, and so he's he's got to be getting behind that ball enough to where he's throwing it hard, but he's not spinning it.
0: Right. Yeah, it's interesting, and it's going to be in his biomechanics. So those are the guys I would be interested to also look at their biomechanics and how that's affecting the ball. And I think that ultimately, I don't know where this industry is going, but. Something has to happen like that where, you know, everybody's specializing. But there's got to be a point where we all interface together. And once we interface together, then it's like all of a sudden everything starts coming together, right? Yeah. You no.
1: Know, absolutely. I, I I think you know the the more the more that you know companies like ours and companies like yours, uh, you know, pair up, the more more of these ideas are going to flow back and forth between one another. And we're going to be able to work together on this stuff, as opposed to, you know, I think in some some aspects, some of these tech companies maybe working against each other, right. uh, you know, Too trying to be the first ones right. to do this or first ones to do that. Um, instead, let's let's come up with something together and, and let's figure out this whole thing together, so we can make everyone better.
0: Right? Well, I think I think we're up against the clock on that because I believe AI is that revolution. AI is going to force everything to interface. And, yep. and that's when it happens. So it's getting to the point where either either as organizations, we come together or we're going to get, you know, pushed out of the way when AI starts to take over.
1: Yeah, yeah, I know that that could happen. So hopefully, uh, you know, we're we're together on it as opposed to being pushed out.
0: Well, that, I mean, that's that's the pressure we all have. And that's the best thing about competition. It makes us better is we all feel the pressure. We've got to keep innovating. Like you said, you have competitors. I have competitors, which is good. It's healthy. But we've got to stay up and keep innovating, and so we don't become, you know, uh, obsolete.
1: Right, right. No, absolutely. And I shoot. I mean, that's that's our technology in a nutshell. We talk to to colleges, travel programs. It's like, okay, do you guys have this stuff? Oh no, we don't have any technology. Well, how come? I mean, that's
0: you're right. you're, you're leaving yourself behind. You're a behind, dinosaur right, you're right now. You're going to be the
1: first one out when when people start moving forward.
0: Yeah, I don't. I, I'm like you said, they're dinosaurs. They're going to be really, really left behind and there's no way it can help them. I, I just don't think that mentality works anymore of like, you know, if it's not broke, don't fix it. I mean, I, that does apply in in some ways. There's still a core principle there, but uh, across the board, I think it's it'll fail because there's just too much um, good information out there that um, just will make any, anybody better. Even it makes the old stuff work even better, you know? So I think we're just at that point. If you don't get, on the bandwagon you don't educate yourself and start using this tech it's it will hurt you eventually
1: yeah no i i agree 100 percent, and that's that's the one thing I, I try to explain to everybody is you know technology may not be for you personally based on how you grew up what you've experienced who coached you who taught you what but the players that a lot of these coaches today are coaching are growing up with this technology. They don't know anything different. This is what they know and what they use and how they learn and how they get better. So, you know, being being that coach as opposed to saying, "Hey, like this is just how I do it." Like coaches got to adapt just as much as players do and and you know, find find something that works for them to help these players get better because the younger generation's using it and the older generation is saying, "We don't need it because we we can see everything with our eyes."
0: Yeah. And unfortunately, the young generation will always win. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so yep. let's let's get more advanced here. We get we can get into some additional features like. Um, well, that's the question. Are, 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 where are you guys with like horizontal break, vertical break? I know that's something really challenging for you to do. I think you said y'all were working on that. Are y'all close to that, or are y'all going to be able to build that in, or?
1: yeah so that that is coming so um you know don't don't think that me saying this today is is going to make it pop up uh you know next week or next month but uh it is something that we are working on extensively to be able to get 3d spin axis in the app not just spin direction but spin axis so x y and z axis um vertical horizontal break um just just to to be clear we are those are data points that we capture currently um we're just making sure that everything was working on the back end before we put it out to market. We don't, we don't want to send something out. That's not accurate, not, not correlating with the right metrics. Um, so we, we are capturing that information. Um, we are analyzing that information and as soon as that's ready and we feel that it's, it's accurate enough to send out to market, um, it'll be an app update and everyone will get it.
0: Cool. Um, some of the, the additional ones, The one I really liked and did a video with and you guys were nice enough to share was the uh, extension from from the from release or or basically from your 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 set position. So that's what I was assuming. It was capturing where you were when you came set for because you created that pause. And Mm -hmm. then it calculated how far from there you released the ball and and gave you that. And that was how they it, it gives you extension distance. Is that correct?
1: That, that is, that is exact, exactly correct. So what we do is we're able to measure extension based on wherever the pitcher comes set and actually physically stops the ball from moving, right? So that quiet period or that pause period that we need before the pitcher starts his delivery. Um, once he starts his delivery, we take that point. And so, again, that's always going to be different depending on the player, where his hand's set, if he's in the windup, if he's in the stretch, um, so that, that, you know, extension number is going to be different by player, but then yes, so we're measuring from that point to where the ball is actually released out in front, um, going downhill. So, um, I know you're a big believer in, uh, in extension. And uh, you know, the one thing that we've seen with it is it leads to perceived velocity. Mm-hmm. So not, not only do you have your, your actual velocity, but you know, perceived velocity is, is built in or taken away based on your extension. And so, um, the, the thing that we've seen, um, uh, Noah Syndergaard last year was like the king of of perceived velocity. And he, um, he had an extension that was, I think a foot and a half to two foot, um, over average. And that, that raised his, his perceived velocity from an actual velocity of about 98 miles an hour to a perceived velocity of about 101.3. I think it was. Wow. And, yeah, and, so. and
0: that's a and that's powerful when you can take that metric, spin rate and velocity and increase all three. So if if you and which is really what we try to do, if you increase your perceived velocity, your distance to release, if you increase your overall ball speed velocity out of out of in the ball, and then you increase your spin rate, basically that's another perception of how fast your ball is going. Um, I mean, if if you you know sometimes it's hard to go up 10 miles an hour on your ball velocity but if you went up three and your extension uh from the rubber increased say eight inches to a foot and then your spin rate went up 300 rpms like that might look like a 10 mile an hour increase to the hitter which um you know it it should be very possible for everyone to do within an off season wouldn't you say yeah, oh yeah one hundred percent they uh you know if if a player can
1: add three miles just pure regular velocity and then add another two to three miles an hour in perceived velocity based on extension, and then that 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 spin rate increases because overall velocity increases extension you know it increases all of a sudden that player who maybe let's say you know was eighty miles an hour when they they started that off season they added the three added the spin rate added the extension. That player could look like a 10 mile an hour plus gain, even though he's not throwing that actual release velocity. Um, yeah, but it, it would I mean, show it, up and everything else.
0: It looked like, I mean, to the hitters, they would look like a completely different pitcher.
1: Yeah, yeah. I I had a I had a left-handed arm uh, you know, in, in junior college that I coached at out here in California. And the 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 kid was 82, 84, pretty consistent around there, but his extent he was 6'4, tall, lanky lefty um but his extension was through the roof and his perceived velocity was around 86 87 miles an hour because of his extension over average huh. so you know he was effective even though his velocity wasn't there right. because he per- his perceived velocity looked a lot faster to the
0: hitter and aren't and don't you think that pro teams even maybe some college teams high level college are looking oh, they'll look over velocity if they see Above or below average spin or spin efficiency or you know good break horizontal vertical break like or extension distance like they'll look over velocity if they're seeing these other metrics really standing out wouldn't you say?
1: Oh yeah, yeah. Um, you know having having coaches like that there's there's a lot of coaches out there that do this right. They and it's it's being able to find that that diamond in the rough right. Scholarships at the collegiate level um, are hard to come by and and a full ride is even harder right so. Um, you know being able to find quality players that you can develop into you know elite level players for your program, whether that's at the college level or the minor leagues professional level, um, that's what everyone's trying to do right And so if, if you can if you can find these players because they have a, a really good spin rate on their on their slider or uh, you know the extension for this player is you know off the charts there, there are hidden things that other players or other coaches, um, you know may not see with just their their naked eye um, that the data that is populating and telling you another thing. So I you know I work with some programs currently that that utilize extension it, it utilize um, spin direction and spin rate on on breaking pitches to determine if if players that attend their their camps or clinics could be a potential fit for them, right um, you know so having having this data in front of in front of them has is making them make more you know, informed decisions rather than just relying on velocity in an eye test.
0: Exactly. And I mean, God, I mean, there's so much we can cover here. Let's see, we go into re- release velocity. So what's some of these, I don't even know the specifics of it. So give me the specifics of release velocity. So, so
1: release velocity is, is a non-subscriber metric. You got If anyone buys the ball and downloads our app, they get release velocity. And so it's a little bit different because of where it's captured, right? Um, with us, we are actually able to capture the, the precise velocity as the ball leaves the player's hand. Um, and so that can be a little bit different um, in comparison to like a pocket radar, for example, that actually captures uh, the speed of the ball at about ten to fifteen feet after it's left the player uh, the player's hand. Okay. So you know that's that's why a lot of people will pick up a pocket radar and radar our ball and tell us that our ball is inaccurate. Um, the di- the actual thing that's happening is the ball's just being measured at two different times.
0: Yeah, and it kind of goes back to the old scouting bureau, um, footage when you, or or even the the radars they would capture ball out of the hand and ball over the plate, and I still think that metric needs to be more widely used. And, and ultimately that's what you're doing because you'll see guys that'll be say 90 out of the hand and then they will be 83 over the plate. And then you'll see other guys 90 out of the hand and be like almost 90 over the plate, which God, I mean, that's, that's huge. And, and I'm yeah. sure spin rates and all that play into it, but it's pretty cool to see that, that difference.
1: Well, yeah, and think think about the uh, the advantage that that player would have if if their release velocity is at ninety, and then the received velocity is still at around ninety. Yeah, that that's uncanny right. for a pitcher that that you know gets up there and chucks a rock at somebody. Right. You know, because it's supposed to lose velocity, but if you can maximize that, it's just going to make you more successful.
0: Yeah, I always said those are probably the guys that didn't lose that. were you know we we always heard, oh, he's got a hard, he's got a hard fastball. Uh, that were maybe it looks slow, but it comes in really hard. I don't know. it's like all those different perceptions that we always hear hitters describe fastballs. I think it's definitely in all these metrics, and it, it's good to have all these different ways of measuring the ball because we can start to understand you know all those unique ways hitters have always described pitchers and their effectiveness. We can almost now well, that's what we're doing. We're measuring that to really understand so we can we can train and, and implement it ourselves or try to become it ourselves.
1: Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I agree with you hundred percent. So it's, you know, it's, it's nice. Like when someone's, you know, you, you, you talk to a hitter and, and you're like, Hey, wh- what happened on that strike three uh, coach? I don't know. I thought I was right on that pitch, I, but I swung under it. I thought I was right on it. Well, okay. That's somebody with a high, high spin rate. Right. Right. Um, or, Oh God, you know, his ball is super heavy today. Like he's not throwing very hard, but every time it hits my glove, God, that thing is heavy. I mean, that's that's spin rate. Right. I mean, right. So those, you know, those are things that that hitters and coaches and players talk about all the time. But the, the, the true actuality is they're talking about spin rate. Right. And they're just you know, there's never been anything to quantify it before until now.
0: Right. Which is so cool. And then we have OK, so we have release spin. So I see I see what how it works here. So when they're in the premium, they're getting, I guess, spin and velocity later in the pitch. And if they're not in the premium, they're getting it right out of hand. So Yeah, so, so if, you, if you're if you a non-subscriber, um, you're going to get release velocity,
1: you're going to be able to see your, your pitch trending history, um, just your last session, so you won't get like a complete overview of every session that you've thrown. Um, we allow you to pitch chart, uh, we give you access to groups and leaderboards, um, and live in-app support. Um, without a premium subscription, you're missing out on profile-to-profile connections, being able to pair up with your buddies. Um, or, or players around the country, uh, you don't get video and data sync, and, and and you don't get all the metrics. Again, you're missing out on six of our metrics of the seven that we capture. You only get velocity as a non-subscriber. So if you want the ball, is just a radar ball. Go buy the ball, download the app, and you're good. But if you if you need spin rate, you want spin direction, extension, all these important metrics that we're talking about today, you got to go out and get premium pitcher. You got it.
0: Cool. And then release spin direction. Okay, and then I, so I, I was, that's the same thing. And then time, time to the plate. So that's just going to be a timing variable, kind of like your distance. But it's going to be how long you took to release the pitch. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, so time to the plate, essentially, if, if the ball's being used in a bullpen session, um, you know, thrown thrown from the rubber at uh, full distance, we're going to be able to get that pitcher's you know, time to the plate, right? Guess, so
0: so that, that's when it gets all over to the catcher, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's when it gets to the catcher. And then uh, the, the delivery timing is actually how long the
0: pitcher's delivery took. To to the release the pitch. Yeah,
1: so from once he started his delivery until he released the pitch, how long did that take, right? Um, I, I was a firm believer in good tempo um, when it came to, to delivering pitches. So um, that was a number that I would have used uh, when I was coaching just to see how long that delivery was, whether it was in the stretch, whether it was in the windup. Um, you know, how, how long it was, cause I liked quicker tempo guys, the guys that were slow tempo usually lacked in velocity and in repeatability. So, um, you know, I, I that higher tempo. So I, I would use that to measure them in a bullpen session or, or a flat ground session perhaps.
0: And then, and then you do the reach back to release. So you're getting time from when they break their hands to before the ball starts going forward.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. So how, how long it took, I call it arm speed. So just how long it took from the ball out of the glove to out of your hand.
0: All right, well, cool. I think we nailed it. Did I miss anything? <laughs> uh,
1: no, I mean, uh, you know, the only th- the other things in there, obviously, are the videoing and uh, data sync. Um, so with, with the app, you're able to video uh, the pitcher from anywhere you want, whether it's in front of them, off to the side, behind them, uh, behind the catcher. Um, and then what the app will actually do for you, if you have premium pitcher and you're subscribed, it will auto-cut the video by pitch delivery. On every pitch. So yeah, you hit record, cool. you, you let it go, and the, the ball will basically tell the app when to cut the video. Oh, that's cool. You, it, yeah, so you don't have like all the delay in between. Let's say you're you're instructing somebody and, yeah. and coaching them, giving them some tips. We just cut that part of the video out and you only get the delivery.
0: Man, that that should be its own app in itself. That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> No, that's phenomenal. We have it both in Swing Tracker and Pitch Tracker, and it's probably one of the easiest and coolest features we have just
0: because you don't have
1: to do anything, and it's auto-cutting that video.
0: Yeah, I like that a lot because a lot of time in our sessions, we just put the camera running, and we have to go through all that, so that's pretty cool.
1: Yeah, yeah. So that's that's what we're trying to eliminate, right? Is is essentially you, you set up our uh, an iPhone, an iPad, something like that, hit record, and then leave it alone, and it's it's capturing your data and it's cutting every pitch. So you have each you know each video for each pitch.
0: Cool. And and obviously, I'm assuming with the softball um, uh, app, it's the same thing, It's uh, pretty much same thing, but for softball
1: yeah yeah very very much very similar to uh the baseball side um the difference is is we do not have uh time to the plate and we do not have um i think it's arm speed we take out as well just because there are two different metrics that don't really apply to softball as much as they apply to baseball um so we we offer five metrics in in pitching for softball but obviously the big ones right so extension uh, you know, spin rate, spin direction, and velocity are, are those four. And then obviously we do time to the or uh, delivery time.
0: And when and so you and y'all sell it and it's it's one ball, do y'all do any like f- sell maybe two or three balls for one package or would you just recommend they buy or two or three of them if they wanted some extra balls?
1: Yeah, we we used to do a, a two pack. Um, but we are moving away from that. So okay. if you do want to buy, um, you know, more than one, just, just buy by all means yeah. hop on there okay. and, and purchase two of them. Um, we makes just sense. the packaging on those and all that
0: was just a little bit different. It, it's a little bit easier for the company to, to roll them out this way. Oh, it makes sense. Well, cool, man. Well, I mean, I really love the product. Um, I, I'm always using it, getting into it more. It's a great product for me too, because when I go on the road. It's just an easier thing to take on the road as opposed to logging around, you know, a bigger system. So I think it's it's great for coaches that travel a lot. Um, wouldn't you say?
1: Yeah. So so I we we have a lot of actually. There's there's some MLB scouts uh, that are roaming around California here um, that have the ball on them at all times. Um, and so if they're out at a game, they're out at a practice, they're going to see a player. Um, what they'll do is they'll actually put the ball in the player's hand and ask them to throw it. Um, I know a lot of colleges are doing that as well. Uh, it's quick and easy. They're, they're adding them to their, their camps and their clinics and their showcases, um, allowing them to capture data on players that want to be a part of their program already. So, um, you know, there's some cool things with it, but yeah, exactly to your point, it's super portable and it fits in your bat bag, it fits in your backpack. I mean, it, it could essentially fit in your pocket if you wanted
0: it to. That is pretty cool, I mean, for a scout to be able to walk up to a high school college athlete and just, while he's warming up, just say, can you throw this a few times? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's it's super easy, and the kid, you know, the, the
1: player will look at the ball and be like, uh, yeah, I mean, it looks like a real ball, like, what are you going to do with it? <laughs> oh, well, I'm going to capture some data on you, I want to see if, if the, you know, your spin rate looks good or things like that, and all of a sudden, you know, the kids are like, oh, this is pretty cool. Okay. Yeah, let's do it. Let's throw it. And so now, now that scout is, is capturing data on those guys. He's, uh, you know, sending that back with his reports to his, uh, his affiliate and, uh, you know, people are getting scouted that way.
0: Cool. Well, like I said, I I hope to do some more features with it, uh, or show it off in in more of my training. Um, I really appreciate you coming on is how can they get in touch with you if they want to learn more?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So all of my contact information is either on our website at diamondkinetics.com. Um, underneath the, uh, the About DK, you can find my profile in there. Um, my my Instagram page has my phone number, my email address um, on there. Um, I'm at KyleBennett85. Um, obviously, I can be reached by email, Bennett at diamondkinetics.com. Um, any, any way anyone wants to get a hold of me, by all means, shoot me a note. Send me a phone call, text, email, doesn't matter. I'll talk, I'll talk tech with you.
0: Any big events this year? Y'all going to do ABCA again?
1: Oh, yeah. ABCA is a, a guarantee. Uh, we're going to NFCA. Uh, we got a few other ones coming up here, too. Obviously, um, the All-American Classic for Perfect Game, uh, which is held in, I think, uh, end of, middle or end of July or August, early August there, um, out at Petco Park. So, yeah, we have, we have quite a few events coming up this year.
0: Well, if you all see Kyle at any of those events, tell him uh, you heard him on the Top Velocity podcast. That'd be exciting. Um, yeah. And I'm gl- I was excited, man. I really appreciate this. I'm looking forward to new features. So hopefully the next time I have you on, and we'll have even more things to talk about, right?
1: Yeah, definitely. Hopefully, uh, you know, the next time I jump on, maybe we got some new features or new releases, some, uh, you know, product innovations that uh, may have come out. We'll we'll, we're trying to do that all the time. So hopefully, uh, you know, next time we talk, I'll
0: have some uh, new info for you. OK, man, I appreciate it. Yeah, not
1: a problem. Brent. Thanks for having me on. I really do appreciate your time.